Right, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, as Elna said, I'm Brad Brown. Just to, to give you a little bit of background, I, I come from a traditional radio background. I still, still work in, in radio. I work for SAFM, and uh, I have worked in, in radio for 19 years. And it was back in 2009 that I first discovered podcasting. It was still in the... I mean, podcasting is still the Wild West, but that was really in, back in the Wild West when there weren't too many podcasts to listen to. There weren't too many people talking about how to do it and literally taught myself how to do it and have been playing around with it ever since and have uh, literally turned it into a, a business outside of radio that uh, is doing fairly well. And, and I think we're still in the early days. I think there's still lots of opportunity, not just here, but, but globally from here. So it gives you an opportunity to build a global business wherever you are. So I also am a co-owner with my wife of a, a business called TalkFeed Media, and we create a lot of audio content for platforms that we own, but we also partner with uh, a lot of people and we do some stuff for, for big corporates as well in, in the podcasting space. So I absolutely love stories. And I think that's one of the reasons why I got into radio. It's just for me, I can listen to stories and, and people's stories for days on end. And I'm actually from Cape Town. And I'm going to, if you would indulge me a little bit, can't see too much, but that was that massive storm we had about three weeks ago. <coughs> And that was in Seapoint, if you know Cape Town at all, the promenade where people run and walk on a, on a beautiful summer's afternoon. That is what the promenade looked like with waves bashing, the, bashing the, the, the sort of retaining wall. And that afternoon, I was on my way through to work, and there was a video that ended up doing the social media, doing the rounds on social media that afternoon. And, and I must have just missed it because I went to that intersection almost at exactly the same time. And you may have seen this before I actually play it, there's a guy on a bicycle in a wetsuit, as one does in Cape Town. And let me play it for you, and you can actually see. So the photo, first photo was taken from that side where the tree is, and this is, <coughs> this is the actual video of the guy riding his bicycle in a wetsuit. And here comes the wave. And that was the wind that was just absolutely pumping the Southern Peninsula. So the interesting thing about that, on my way to work, the Cape Town Stadium is just behind this point in Cape Town. And as I was driving into work, probably 60, 70, 80 kilometer an hour winds, and there was a guy with a leaf blower blowing leaves. <laughs> I, I love power tools, absolutely love power tools, but I have no idea what the point of a leaf blower is. Funnily enough, I saw one as we were coming in here this morning as well. And the reason I tell you that is I, I wanted to, to get onto the point of, of power tools and, and my passion about power tools. I own every power tool under the sun except the leaf blower. Okay? And I love drilling things and I love cutting. I don't make anything, I just drill. Even as a kid, my grandfather years ago used to have this angle grinder that was connected to his workbench. And I just used to go and grind things because the sparks were cool. And I just had this passion for power tools. I love them. My wife knows that if I have to win the lotto, we are going to buy two power tools of every type of power. I might even buy a leaf blower. And that's just my passion for power tools. And, and I've got a very similar passion to podcasting. How many of you guys, speaking of the lotto, how many of you guys buy lotto tickets? Hands up. No one. Got a couple of people who sometimes. Okay, lotto tickets, I don't buy lotto tickets. But lotto tickets are interesting in the sense that there was some research done in the UK a couple of years ago, and the odds of you actually winning the lotto 
are pretty slim. I don't know if you figured that out. You figured that out? I think he has. So the odds of you winning the lotto, you've got more chance of walking up to a complete stranger in London and guessing their telephone number than winning the lotto. That's frightening. <laughs> you've got more chance of buying a ticket on the, on the Tuesday and dying before the draw on Saturday. And my personal favorite when it comes to lotto tickets, you've got more chance of becoming an Olympic gold medalist than winning the lotto. If you haven't figured it out yet, lotto is a tax for people who are bad at maths. That's what the lotto is, okay? And the reason I talk about the lotto is because for me, in my experience, most people approach podcasting like the lottery. It's hit and, and, and hope. We create this piece of content and we hope it's going to be a home run. And the truth of the matter is, the odds of you getting one of those home runs, like a serial, are pretty slim. There are thousands upon thousands of podcast bodies lying in iTunes right now of people that were fired up about a podcast. <coughs> Before I get to you, uh, people who were fired up about podcasts and just stopped because they, they, they approached it with this idea that they were going to create this podcast with this audience. They were going to go and find advertisers, and that's how they were going to monetize it. And podcasting is hard work, particularly if you're doing it just a podcast where you're not repurposing on-air content from a radio station, clipping it and releasing it as a podcast. If you're doing out-and-out -out podcasting where you, you, like you would a radio show, you're producing it, you're finding guests, you, you, you're mixing sound, you, you're building layers, it's hard work. Anybody who's created a podcast will tell you that. And for a lot of people, they get into the podcasting space thinking this is a great, easy platform to get into, and we are going to hit a home run, we're going to get this audience, and advertisers are going to be lining up to advertise on the podcast. And the truth of the matter is, that is not the case. Because the odds of you hitting a home run in the, in the podcast space are pretty much like buying a lottery ticket and hoping to win the lottery. So if you would indulge me, I'm going to give you some examples from our business and, and some of the, the sort of evolution that we've gone through, and, and hopefully that'll illustrate the point. So one of the first podcasts that we created was something called Run Talk SA. And this is actually one of those corpses that are lying in iTunes right now. <laughs> and I'm big into endurance sports, and we started this podcast because I loved running, and we were chatting to anyone and everyone about running. And it was great, and, and we had segments like you would a radio show. We had a gear segment, so we were doing gear reviews on shoes and, and watches, and the plan was to have that segment sponsored by a Garmin or a Nike, whoever it was, that was the business model. We then had a, a segment on races, and we were reviewing races, and hopefully the races were going to come and advertise with us to get onto that segment. And I think a lot of people approach the podcasting space with that sort of, that sort of mindset. And I can tell you now, that was probably 2010 that we launched that podcast. So seven years later, anybody have a guess how much money we made off that podcast? That's how much money we made off that podcast. Big fat donut. Absolutely nothing. But we learned lots of lessons. Lots and lots of lessons, okay? And we moved on and started doing some other things. And like I said, there's lots of failed podcasts. I mean, iTunes is littered with them. Why did we fail, though? That's the big question. Is we built this content 
from an advertiser's perspective. That was the way we approached it. We thought, we're going to build this podcast to sell advertising. We didn't actually have the end user in mind. I thought, I love running, other runners would like to hear this, and I think lots of people approach it that way, where they, they, they come with it with a business model that's essentially flawed. Because I know everyone sitting here wants to know how to make money from podcasting, and I'm going to reveal the secret later, but it's not from advertising. I'll get to that in a, in a moment. So that was one of the main reasons why we, why we failed. We created content for our advertisers and not our listeners. Has anybody seen that movie? Good. One person. I'm feeling very old. <laughs> okay, so to give you the, the, the 30 second abridged version, Kevin Costner had voices in his head that were telling him to build a baseball diamond and he built it and they came. Legends of baseball, the likes of Babe Ruth. And they're probably, I, I say that's the abridged version, the only thing I actually remember out of that movie was that line. If you build it, they will come. That was the voice in his head. And he built this baseball diamond in his millie fields and he saw baseball players. It's amazing. Like, don't go and watch the movie, but that's the line you need to remember. If you build it, they will come. And the truth of the matter is they don't. You need to build it deliberately and then they'll come. If that's the one takeaway you take from today, is if you build it deliberately, they will come. Who's heard of that? <coughs> okay, so there's a few people in the room. Serial, if you haven't listened to this series of podcasts, please do yourself a favor. This is probably the first podcast series that just was a massive, massive smash hit. And there's subsequently been lots of others, and there's one that was produced here at, uh, at, at the radio school. It's Alibi. And I know, I'll know you were very much involved with that. And you guys are doing a talk later on this week about it, I believe. And that's also a fantastic piece of audio. Is it better than Serial? Could be. It's a South African story. I think it's great. Did it do as well as Serial? You didn't get millions and millions of downloads, I'm guessing. But the truth of the matter is, why? Both pieces of content are great pieces of content. One just did a lot better than the other. And that is probably the big question. And I'm not here to tell you that you need to build pieces of content like Serial that are going to be smash hits out of the park. If you build pieces of content and one of the byproducts is it becomes a smash hit and gets hit out of the park, then you're smiling all the way to the bank. But if you build it deliberately, they will come. And when I talk about deliberately, back to the power tools. The reason I spoke about the power tools, I actually brought a drill with, because I like, I love power tools, okay? I was going to use it, but I thought, no, let me not, because I might scare people. This is Johannesburg. Anybody walking around with a power tool? You never know. Okay. Let's use an exercise here. If, how's it, Ashraf? I didn't see you walk in. <laughs> okay. So is anybody else into power tools here? No one. It's just me. Okay. So if you had to go into Builder's Warehouse and you wanted to buy a drill, but you weren't allowed to say the word drill. And you had to explain to the sales guy that you want this thing that goes What would you say to him? How would you describe it? If you do that here, he's going to give you a gun. <laughs> okay, house. You need to make holes. Okay, so you're not looking for a drill, you're looking for a hole in your wall. Why do people want holes in their walls? They want to hang photos of family. They don't want to drill. 
Nobody wants to drill. People want to hang photos on their wall. They want holes in the wall. And that's the problem, the way people approach podcasting. They think people want podcasts. People don't want podcasts. People want to be entertained. People want their problems solved. People want help. Any business in the world that's successful, what does it do? It solves people's problems. It comes up with a solution that someone's got a pressing pain for. No one wanted to start a business for hemorrhoid cream, I can tell you that much. But they make millions. Why? Because they're solving someone's problem. Okay, so that's the story with the power tools. You might wonder why I was talking so much about power tools. So, there's another one. People don't want to buy a drill, they want to buy a hole in the wall. All a podcast is, it's a means to an end. That's for me, was the biggest mind shift when it came to podcasting. All it was, was a means to an end. It was a way for me to deliver a message that would spark action in my audience or my tribe. I said this to Alna when we first met. And for me in my business, all, in all, all a podcast is, is an audio business card. In the old days, and it still happens now, you stop at traffic lights and there's people handing out flyers for their business. I don't know how effective that is. It never used to be effective, but people are still doing it. Why? Because they're trying to get their business out there. It's exactly the same with a podcast. It's an audio business card. It's to get people into your environment and then you can engage with them. And one thing I love about radio, one of the things when I first got into radio is I loved the intimacy of it, the one-on-one -on -one nature. You can talk to a listener, and if radio is really good, anybody who's been on air, you'll know this happens. If you're really in the zone in a radio show, and you're pushing into that mic, talking to that one listener, every now and again, you can feel them push back. Ashraf, you must have had it in your radio career. It's just, it's the coolest feeling. And podcasting just magnifies that. Because in sort of mainstream, conventional, commercial radio, it's on a much bigger scale, it's appealing to the masses, and it's very difficult to get granular one-on-one -on -one with someone in, 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 in commercial radio. I, I can't go on to biggest commercial radio station and talk about running like I would on a podcast about running. People would think I'm crazy. They'll turn the radios off. But on podcasts, you can do that, and that's what I love about it. It gets me in front of, of people. So, most people are not making money on their podcasts let me, let me read it exactly. I put it because I did. They're not making the majority of their money on their podcasts. They're making the majority of their, pod, of their money through their podcasts. And that's where, for us, as soon as we made that mind shift in our business, that was when we started making money. So what they're doing is they're drilling for gold. They're finding these niche little audiences that they can really dig deep in. And as much as commercial radio is powerful and public broadcasters are powerful, you can't really dig deep with one person. And as soon as you really niche down, that's when you start seeing massive results. And let me, let me go back onto the Run Talk SA example. So <laughs> our business model was to talk running. And if you know the running space, there's lots of different sub-niches within running. So there's trail running, there's road running, there's marathon running, there's park runs, there's uh, 100 milers, there's all sorts of stuff. I sound like Bubba Gum. What fried shrimp, ball shrimp? There's, that's what it is. It's, there's just so many different things, and that was the mistake we were making. We were trying to create content for advertisers that we thought advertisers wanted to advertise on instead of talking 
to a trail runner about what it's like to run trail. The audience is a bit smaller, but once you engage with that audience and you give them exactly what they want and you figure out what their problems are, that's when magic starts happening in podcasting. So the traditional sort of radio model when it comes to advertising, and, and I talk about the lowest common denominator model. An advertiser goes to a radio station, they want to know how big is your reach? How many ears do you get in front of? And I've had this conversation with advertisers time and time and time again, where someone will say to me, but your audience is only 10,000 people. We can go to radio station X down the street, they've got access to a million and a half people. And I say to them, that's great, but how many of that radio station's audience runs and buys running shoes? And they can't tell me. But on a trail running podcast, if I have 10,000 listeners, every single one of those listeners buys running shoes. So a big mind shift needs to be made by advertisers, and they were talking about it in the, the earlier room as well, that the, the advertisers need to catch up where this, is, where this is going. And don't bet your house on advertising when it comes to podcasting, particularly in South Africa. I think it's still going to take a while to, to sort of catch up, but there are other ways, and I'll talk to you about those in a, in a moment. So that's what I mean about lowest com common denominator, and that's the traditional model. <laughs> One of our other podcasts was something called Try Talk SO. Obviously, branding wasn't great when we first started this thing, but it was, it was in the triathlon space, okay? And I don't know if there's any triathletes in, in the room today, anybody who knows anything about triathlon. Okay, so again, we sat with the same problem, where it was, there's lots of different aspects to the sport of triathlon. There's different races, there's different lengths of races, and we were just trying to be all things for everyone, and we just didn't get any traction. And that one died to death in the iTunes, on, on iTunes. And then about a year and a half ago, I decided, you know what, I, I needed to take some time off and I wanted to start a side project that I was really passionate about. And I wanted to ask this if there were any triathletes in the room, because there's a word called Kona, or a place called Kona, that is synonymous with Ironman triathlon. And for... You guys in the room, if I say the word Kona, it means absolutely nothing to you. Nothing. But you're not my audience. You're not my tribe on this podcast. But if I say the word Kona, and you can try this. I'm sure some of you know people who have done Ironman triathlons. Go and say the word Kona to a triathlete and the guy will burst into flames. It is, it's just, it is the pinnacle of Ironman racing. It's one race. It happens once a year and less than 3,000 people race it. Think about that. One race, less than 3,000 people, but you have to qualify to race in that race. So we launched a podcast called The Kona Edge. That's it there. At its peak, what TriTalk SA was doing in a month in downloads, The Kona Edge does a day now. Why? Because we drilled deep. We found a group of people that are passionate about something. And it doesn't matter what it is. I'm using sport examples today because it's something I'm passionate about. But it doesn't matter what it is. If it's personal finance, if it's flower arranging, if it's underwater basket weaving, I don't know. There's a group of people who are passionate about it. Just go and look on Amazon for the books or, or go look in iTunes at, at the podcast. You'll be amazed at some of the niches. And I can tell you now, if you can find a thousand people who are passionate about that, 
you can make a pretty good living off that podcast as an independent podcaster. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting how they make money through their podcast. And that's what I wanted to, to chat to today. So we started the business talking about wanting to, to sell advertising on these podcasts. And over time, as we got to know these audiences better, and it's a two-way relationship, it's not us pushing content to them. If you push good content to an audience member and there's a strong call to action, they'll get back in touch with you. The amount of interaction I have on social media, through email, of people who listen to a podcast and just resonate with it and it, it fires them up, that feel the need to get in touch and email back. It's phenomenal. It never happens. It never, maybe I was just a terrible on-air jock. I don't know. It never used, I used to get one like in a, in a blue moon. And if you look at the percentage of people who listen to terrestrial radio compared to the percentage of people who listen to podcasts, and you take that feedback percentage, it's much bigger if you're hitting the right notes in a podcast. It's huge. And what that gives you the opportunity is to chat one-on-one -on -one to people in that tribe and find out what do they need. What can you help them with? What problem can you solve? And the more you have these conversations with audience members, the more ideas you get of what can we do to solve these problems. And there's lots of ways to do it. So our business, if we'd been waiting for advertisers, I'd be homeless. We would not have a business. And there's lots of ways to do it. So I'm using our examples once again. You can do coaching or consulting. It doesn't matter what field it is. People want help with whatever it is they're struggling with. If you have the solution, you can help them. And guess what? People will pay for it. And if you own the platform, you can sell it. That's the beauty of own media as opposed to, to paid media. You could go to a radio station and advertise your services. How much is it going to cost you? But then you're sitting with the same problem again. You've got a million and a half listeners. How many of them actually buy running shoes? But when you build a platform and you just really get to understand them, that's what happens. Online courses is another huge one. The online learning industry, the way it's exploding. There's lots of websites here <coughs> excuse me, that are, that are absolutely things like Get Smarter. Anyone can build an online course. If you know something about something, actually, if you're a great radio broadcaster, nothing's stopping you creating an online course how to become a great radio broadcaster. Only if you're into underwater basket weaving. You can create a course about underwater basket weaving. It does not matter what the niche is. That's how these guys are making money, and they're making millions. Millions. And not rants, dollars. They're making millions of dollars. I'll give you an example of a guy, and, and go check him out when you're done. But e-books... And then advertising's last on the run. Our theory in, in the podcast businesses that we've built, if an advertiser comes along, that's the cream. That's the money that pays for our holidays. We're not relying on that money. Whereas if you're building these things purely for advertising, that's an issue. Because you then got to create content that the advertisers want. <coughs> these are the two things I mentioned earlier, build deliberately, but these are another two, two things I want you to take out of today. All a podcast is is a means to an end. It's an audio business card. Those are the two things. <coughs> the key to these things is building passionate and engaged tribes by drilling so deep that you know them better than they know themselves. You've got to get inside their heads that when you're talking to them, I, I get emails like this all the time. People say to me, it's like, you know me better than, you, you can describe the problem I have better than I can. 
And that's what you've got to get good at, is just really figuring that out. You want to become their trusted source of information. That if they think whatever it is, running shoes, arranging flowers, whatever it is, they come to you first because you're the trusted source. And how do you do that? Through the podcast. It builds trust. You're in their ears all the time. It's incredible, the power of, of these things. And then what you want to do is either you want to create the solution or find the solution for them and point them in that direction. They will love you forever. Forever. If you can solve someone's problem or point them in the direction to solve their problem, that's it. It's a pretty simple business model. It, it can get quite complicated and, and it, it, there is a lot of sort of legwork. But the big question is, is there room for advertising on these podcasts? That's probably the big question. Do, do you think there's room for advertising on these podcasts? Let me, let me ask you that question. Almost like product product placement, almost. Yeah. 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 No, the truth of the matter is, it it definitely is. It it is, but and it's a big but. It has to be relevant to your audience because the biggest way to break that trust that you've built up is to refer them to something that's not going to solve their problem just because you want to make some money in the back pocket. That's the quickest way to kill a tribe. So, whereas advertising in conventional radio is very invasive, it's shoved down your throat, in niche podcasts it's not. It's a solution to a problem. We're very picky about advertisers on podcasts that we, we do. Just because someone has a checkbook doesn't mean you have to take their money. But if your audience figures out that you've got their best interest at heart in every decision you take, you will have advertisers falling over themselves to work for you. Why? Because the click-through rates and the call to actions and what actually happens on the back end is massive. Huge. And you can track it. That's the beauty of these things. The analytics, you can track it to the T, which is, which is phenomenal. So, there definitely is room, and again, only if you add value to your tribe. So that's the warning I want to give you. Uh, I'm going to run through tomorrow afternoon, literally, I'm doing a, a session on how to get a podcast started. So if anybody's interested in, in that, I'm going to go through in 90 minutes, I'm going to get a podcast started from scratch to published in 90 minutes. I'm going to show you how easy it is, because it is that easy. I said it to my wife before coming down here. I've been in radio for 19 years, and if I had to start over, how many people in the room are sort of starting out in their career now? Okay, so we've got quite a few. If I had to start over, and I've worked campus radio, retail radio, community radio, commercial radio, commercial music, commercial talk, public broadcast, like I've done the spectrum. But if I had to start over again, I don't know if I'd go the radio route. I know it's probably pretty controversial to me saying that, but you don't need a radio station. Why do you need the Brixton Tower? You can build your own tribe. 
I'll show you tomorrow afternoon. Literally 90 minutes, I'll show you how to do it. It's that easy. So, yeah, that, that was all I wanted to chat to you today. I've pretty much bombed through it pretty quickly. So if there's any questions, please fire away and let's, let's chat. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we start basically doing it from the start. So when it comes to niching, one thing I would suggest as well is, is almost doubling down. So instead of just going one niche, go twice, if that makes sense. So instead of just focusing, and I'm going to use the running example again, instead of just focusing on runners, focus on female runners, and then go even one further, say moms who run. So you then, so that if somebody finds that podcast, there's no ambiguity about who this is for. They know this is me. And that's why you've got to get your branding spot on these things. So the Kona Edge is a good example of that. If you go through the iTunes store and that pops up and you're not into triathlon, no bells will ring on that thing at all. But if you're into triathlon, it's up. It's, it's on like a scone. Because people who, that is the tribe. They know Kona is the ultimate. So, and, and it starts slowly. It, uh, I mean, there's no, there's no quick fix to this thing. I mean, we, <coughs> I, I reckon it probably takes, if, if you've got that dialed in and that niching, it takes at least a year of pitching up constantly and, and, and being consistent and creating that content and showing up for your tribe. And that's how you then start building that. And it takes time. It's, it's like any radio station to build audience. It's not, that you, it's not a tap. You can, there are ways to fast track it, and I'll, I'll chat about some of those tomorrow night, where, where you can use paid advertising, Facebook ads. I mean, we get great results using Facebook ads, driving to these sort of things. So we don't, we don't have, and then we use email marketing. So there's lots of different ways to, to drive people to it. But you've got to get that message dialed in. You've got to get the niche dialed in. And then it's just show up consistently and build it. Okay, so um, if it's cool with you guys, I'm going to use that Kona example again because there's lots of, lo lots of good examples there. So within triathlon, there's three disciplines, three main disciplines, swim, bike, and run, and then there's a nutrition part. And one of the biggest things that triathletes struggle with is their swim, is they really battle to swim. So what we've done, and, and I'm, I come from that background, so I do understand it, but you can apply this. If you gave me a niche and you gave me a year, I could do this in any niche. Because what it takes is chatting to that person. So I've done so many interviews, one-on-one, -on -one, me catching up with, with guys in our tribe, and I'll say to them, what are you struggling with? What do you need help with? And time and time again, it was the swim, it was the swim, it was the swim. And then I, I dug a bit deeper, what is it about the swim? What are you struggling with? Is it stroke? Is it, is it endurance? Whatever it is. And through those sort of customer interviews, essentially, we figured out what it was they wanted. We then pre-sold something that we thought they wanted. So we didn't create this thing. We had then built up the audience. And, and like I said, we use various, we've got social media, we do email marketing through it. And then from there, we've pre-sold it. So we said to them, is this something you're struggling with? If we created this, would you buy it? This is how much it costs. It's $100, for instance. And if people don't buy it, then we don't make it. So in any ways, you've interviewed them. Correct, said, yeah. And they're telling you, I want this, but they have no information to get it. Yeah, but we don't make anything until we've got the money in the bank. 
So if people are saying to me, my ankle's sore when I run and we've got a solution to sort their ankle out when they run, and we offer it to them for sale, they've told us this and we say, this is the solution, this is what it's going to cost you, it's $100. If they don't vote with their wallet, we don't make it. Okay, so if, if, if you say this is what it costs you, does that not damage this, this wonderful tribe when we just get together and show them, oh, I didn't know you're a business, I thought you were my friend. I don't think it does. Ashraf, I mean, that's the, way, that's the way the world is. Every, every transaction. But if I'm adding value, I'm not just taking money. I'm adding value to your life. And, and if, if I can solve a pressing issue that you have, and you're willing to give me money in exchange for that solution, it's win-win for everyone. And that's, and that's yeah. So, in, in, I mean, it's, it does get a bit, there's a lot more to it, but that's the, the sort of high-level version of, of how we do it. You had a question. They're famous for being famous. The <laughs> <laughs> short answer is probably yes, but that doesn't stop the person who's got few pod, uh, sort of social media followers to, to be successful. That, that's, that's what it boils down to. I think everyone has equal amount of opportunity in the space to be successful. It's what you do with that opportunity. It's like anything. It's what you do with that opportunity that, that makes it count. And I mean, social media is also pretty interesting because there's, with regards, I mean, anybody who, who does sort of online marketing and that sort of thing will tell you that in order, Facebook's doing it now, they're a business, and there's a great example, it was all fun and games until Facebook turned on the, the sort of advertising tap, they're there to make money, let's, let's make no bones about it. But if, you, if anybody's had a Facebook page over time, you used to get lots of, of reach now, if you want reach on your Facebook page, you've got to pay for it. That's just the way it is. But you can build those things up from nothing. Absolutely nothing over time. Yes. Okay. Or a Lipson, whatever it is. The short answer is no. You, you don't need, and, and just that's a bit of a, a technical question. So the audio files, for those of you who don't know, the audio file is an MP3 like you would get a song in, in iTunes or whatever. So that audio file needs to live somewhere. So it needs to live on a server somewhere. And platforms like Iono who, who are here, and they're going to be chatting uh, later on in the week as well, just about some of the, the sort of stats and, and trends <coughs> that they see in, in the podcasting space, is, is a platform for you to host those actual physical files. So we've tried this because <laughs> we were cheap. We didn't want to pay for Iono. So we had a normal WordPress website, and we were hosting those sound files on our server, which was great until we started getting people listening to them and trying to download them. And all it did was just slow down the server. So it just does not create a great listener experience for somebody trying to download that file or if they want to stream it. So you can do it. Why would you want to reinvent the wheel when you've got platforms like Iono, there's some unbelievable technology, and there's lots of them out there. I mean, I, I host with Iono, and <coughs> one of the reasons I do is because they're South African, and 
they are they're doing some really cool stuff in the space. And there's lots. There's Lipson. I mean, there's, there's so many. Pricing-wise, you're looking about the same. Uh, but I love the stuff that, that our owner is doing with the players and, and all of that sort of stuff. And then getting it out in the world, it's not up to Iona to get the podcast out in the world. They're just the host. And yes, they do some, some great promotion stuff, but it's up to whoever owns that content to, to get it out there. And, and there's lots of ways. I mean, again, iTunes is just a conduit. It's a way for you to put your content somewhere where people find it. It's like a YouTube. You put the content on YouTube, people search for it. iTunes is the biggest search engine for podcasts at the moment. So if your podcasts aren't in iTunes, they should be. That's essentially what it is.